welcome everybody to another Football Attic podcast uh, with me, Rich Johnson Roffer for the Football Attic and my co-blogger, Chris Oakley. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, how are you Chris? Very well, thank you very much, yes, uh, absolutely, well, still full of vim and vigour as I was last week, it's extraordinary really, but there we are. Fantastic. And of course, uh, as with the last podcast, this is a joint pod with uh, the lovely uh, John Devlin from True Colours Football Kits. Say hello, John. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. I don't think they can hear you, but you know, that's nice. <laughs> and, and of course, the, the, the other person joining us is Jay off of designfootball.com. Hello, Jay. Hello, everybody. Hello, you three and everybody. <laughs> you, oh, all of you. Yes, it's good, to, it's good to be accurate in these things, isn't it? And how is everybody today? I've already asked Chris. How are you two then? Good, thank you. Not bad at all. Pretty good. Good. Yeah, good I'm okay. Day. Thanks. That's, that's good. I'm glad we've cleared that up. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> the important part done. Yeah, that's the important part of the podcast done, uh, so let's just finish now. Um, and obviously, this is the, the second part of the 50 greatest football shirts ever, uh, and we're counting down today numbers, correct me if I'm wrong here, 40 to 31. Is that right? Correct. Hooray. Yeah. Hoorah. So I actually think we should just dive straight in with this. So number 40 in the list, which we've already published, is Athletic Bilbao, and that was one of yours, Jay, so if you want to take it away... Uh, yeah, before I start talking about that shirt, can I just say I'm very, very glad to be here because I've heard on Twitter there's a lot of people who are putting themselves forward to join in on these podcasts. So I was mm-hmm. having a flashback to uh, Sunday League Football and I was imagining the uh, manager coming up to me and telling me I've been dropped and <laughs> somehow that hasn't happened today. So I'm really, really pleased about that. So thank you to you three for not dropping <laughs> me from the podcast in favour of uh, perhaps better candidates who are, yeah, who are touting themselves. You've no idea how close it's come, Jay. So. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why we do all dishes. Be to it all, Jay. You're the, you're the centre of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The same oh, with the So there's several other things that are the centre of things, but I won't just say what they are. You know. uh, okay. Athletic <laughs> Bell Bell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so number 40 in the list is the Athletic Bilbao away shirt from 2012-13. Someone will probably be able to confirm that around that season anyway. 2011-12, uh, actually, but don't worry about that. Carry on as if nothing happened. It's <laughs> <Hey, so laughs> okay, we'll Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, so 20... who, was, who was it wanted to be on the next podcast again? <laughs> uh, yeah, 2011-12, as I say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a green shirt... Uh, with a white and red bar across the chest, which runs onto the shoulders. And it's an umbro shirt from the tailored by range. Uh, so it's still relatively early days uh, of that range. Started in 2009, I think. So this was sort of a couple of seasons in. Um, the, the main striking element of the shirt is that it is in the colours of the Basque Country's flag, uh, the Ikurin. I think you need to roll your eyes, but I can't do that. Uh, so this was quite a, an important shirt for Athletic Bilbao because it actually represented them as a, a nation, um, quite famously uh, are regarded, or the people are often regarded as being quite separatist, wanting um, independence from Spain. So it was an important shirt. It also had a, other nationalist elements, such as the sponsor, which is a local company, and there's a leaf patch on the sleeve, which is uh, a reference to the local council, I think. As well, so it's it's very much 
um, the show was very much about representing the people. Hmm. Excellent. A, a nice summary, yes. Um, well, I mean, this is an interesting shirt for me because um, I have a friend who's actually from the Basque country, I'm very pleased to say, and um, uh, I've known him for quite a while now, and you're quite right, Jay, uh, they are, um, what should we say, they're very um, fiercely in favour of their own identity, the, the Basque people got their own um, culture, their own history, their own language, um, they do very much feel that they should be if, you know, ideally they should be independent from Spain and the flag um, and indeed the, the shirt that you mentioned definitely represent that because of the colouring there. Um, in fact, I think there have been a few unofficial matches of the Basque independent um, team. They, 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 they want to be considered independent and they've played a few games against, I think, kind of minor, minor dare I say, minor countries like, I don't know, Moldova and people like that. I think they also, and this is unintentional, they played Wales once. That's, that was an, an unintentional running on of that uh, little <laughs> metaphor. Um, but um, but yeah, they and, and so the red, white, and green is is very um, very much their colours and um, and I, I did like those Umbro kits that were coming out around about that time. Some of which had a chevron and some like this one, which had a kind of straight horizontal double line going across them. Uh, very nice styling, I thought and. Um, yeah, I just I just think that those all those shirts in, uh, that were released by Umbro at that time are particularly nice, just clean, very very I don't know, just well executed design, frankly. So I mean, that's just all I was going to add to it. So it's it's a sort of shirt actually you could imagine uh, being worn by lots of fans, just because it's it just it looks like a football shirt, you know. It doesn't. It's not trying to be a work of art. It just looks like a good, almost a slightly old-fashioned style. Uh, shirt. If you go back to like the the early sort of twenties and thirties that they used to see in England, at least you know with that kind of bold stripe going across the top. Um, I, I mean, from my point of view, um, I, I like it. I kind of, it's not one of my favourite shirts. I'm, I, I think the colours are really nice. Oh, that sounds like a really simplistic example. No, look, it's nice colours. Um, but no, <laughs> I just think it, it works like you said, Chris. It works really well as a football shirt. It's just nice and simple. Very clean lines, and and being part of that um, Taylor by Umbra range, it just sort of has that sort of minimalist but but classy look. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think it works. Like I say, not one of my favourites, but you know, I, I just it does. It is really nice. So you know, I don't have much more to add. I think you, it's interesting from that from that shirt as well. I mean, we're talking about it where it comes in Umbra's history because obviously they just had that wonderful success with the England stuff. But they were on the cusp of, of, you know, losing the Nike relationship. So it came at a very interesting era for Umbro, I think. But I totally agree with Chris. I think they had a re some really, really strong designs at that time. And you could have imagined that shirt being rolled out. If they had more teams on board, it could have suited... I mean, West Ham. Imagine if West Ham wore that, you know. It would have mm. been really, really good. Yeah. Really, really good mix for them. Or Rangers had it, didn't they, I think. Didn't they, Jane? Yeah, that's right. Rangers had it. Um, and I think with Rangers... I mean, it, it might be my um, being a little bit partisan, but I think their idea was to to make it look like the Union Jack, which is obviously very similarly styled mm. to the Basque Country flag. And it didn't really work in the same way. It was red with white and blue. It was, it was an okay shirt, but you didn't immediately look at it and think Union Jack when you looked mm. at it, which is possibly mm. a good thing. But um, there were other teams that had it. One team that you might not be aware of that had it was the Hull, I think it might be Hull University, uh, futsal team had it <laughs> and they had it in amber and black <laughs> are you saying you're not aware of that <laughs> <laughs> strange really but there it is 
and and they had it, and it looked really, really good. I think by that point, maybe Hull had already transferred <clears throat> over to Adidas, so they might have had that shirt if it hadn't have been for that that change of supplier. So Hull University had it, and it looks really, really good. It's worth checking out. Um, it's a really good shirt. There. Sunderland as well, didn't they? They had it in a kind of powder blue colour, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah, that's true as well. They had that, and I didn't. I don't think it worked as well for them. But I think the Athletic Bilbao shirt is the the best example of it because of those extra elements added added on and tied in quite well. So the the red sleeve on the even these, though these elements that they've had every season for several years, it still seemed to work really well with that design. And that's what so, I meant. Sorry. Sorry, go on, John. I was just going to say, as, we, as mentioned earlier as well, I mean, how important is that to have a local sponsor on the shirt? I mean, I, I think it makes a big difference from, from having some anonymous, you know, multinational corporate there. When it's a local company, I think it's a, you know, it's a really good thing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't know if I'm just overtired or what, but I'm just frankly hysterical at the fact that we've mentioned the Hull University futsal kit. I mean, I'm just, I'm just amazed that none of us, I'm just amazed that none of us have heard of it. <laughs> Honestly, we really are through the looking glass now, aren't we? I started these. Well, one, yeah, one last thing I was going to say about that shirt is that the, the thing is, for me, when you look at it, that, the green, the white, and the red seems to really work in that design. And the thing we all seem to be agreeing on here is that every other single use of it doesn't seem to have worked. And I think that's quite interesting is that if you think about it, because the, the Sunderland one, and I know the, I remember the Rangers one definitely, and I, I really didn't like that. And I find it fascinating that we seem to have found a template where it works in one colorway and no other. <laughs> Because normally it's like this one that will work in quite a few, and they'll usually be the odd one that you think, hmm, that doesn't work. But this one seems to be unique in that it only works once. I, I can't actually think of any other examples of it where I've actually looked at it and thought, that looks nice. I mean, especially the Rangers one. I remember that when it came out. Just I just thought it looked awful. And yet it's exactly the same design. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, and didn't they, I'm just wondering, didn't Rangers have an Umbro um, version of that kit but with the chevrons in white? Like it was white with a blue and red, I think. So, again, there was lots of those kind of <clears throat> those those two particular templates going around the straight bar across the shirt, and also the V's as well. But uh, I think, but you know, did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Indeed. So, should we move on to thirty-nine then? Let's do that. Mm. Okay, 39 is an interesting one because it's one that I. It's a template I can't stand, but I actually quite like this. Um, I believe this is another one of Jay's. It's the USA 92 to 94, I think we've now established, home shirt by Adidas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think on the on the website we put 90, 92 to 93. Three. Three. Yeah, but it is 92 to 94. They did wear it uh, early on in, in 1994 as well, probably because the... Well, we were all pretty familiar with what they wore at USA 94, and they probably unveiled them either at the tournament or very shortly before it, so that's why the, mm. that shirt carried over until 1994. But, yeah, it's it's a template that, that came along in about 1991. Um, and we say template, it's again an element, which is the removal of the classic Adidas stripes, the removal <coughs> of the... Uh, Refoil logo and replacement with this equipment or performance logo, and the the branding and the stylings that that went along with that. So it was three 
if you you can probably imagine what we're talking about now, but we're we're talking about three huge bars across the shoulder, or across the right shoulder, and the Adidas logo either in the middle on the collar or or on one of those bars. Um, the first shirts tended to be sublimated, so the first one that I remember was the Liverpool shirt in 1991-92, which was sublimated, so it was everything was in the the shirt itself, and it was a it was a white shirt or a slightly off white shirt, which is then dyed uh, with the the red of Liverpool, and then probably white as well added on the shoulders, uh, which is all part of the one piece of fabric, and this shirt was the USA 92 shirt which is it's generally known as was actually a white shirt with the the um the stripes stitched on in red blue and red uh, on the shoulders is that is that correct or is it blue blue, blue red and blue but it's blue, uh, red, <laughs> again <laughs> skating on thin ice now aren't i yeah. um, you know you know when you nominate these shirts James, you actually just remember them all just, just randomly imagine them <laughs> <laughs> You 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 realise I have sneaked in a fake shirt at number twenty six. <laughs> uh, I knew you wouldn't do your research. Um, <laughs> yes, this shirt was this was actually the second generation of shirt, and actually doing some research into it, I did do some. I found out that it was actually worn in nineteen ninety one as well, which has completely confused me. That the second generation, where they stopped sublimating these shirts and actually stitched on the stripes on the shoulder, was actually worn, worn as early as nineteen ninety one with a different crest. But mm. I, dig- I digress on that. the The actual reason I like it so much was it was it was a white shirt, so it was quite. Um, quite a stark shirt in general, and then these three patriotic colours. The, sorry, the two patriotic colours on the shoulder, um, in the red and the blue, seemed to work quite well as a contrast. And it was it was quite a if impactful is a word that we're using nowadays. Then uh, that seems the perfect word to describe this shirt. I think every podcast appearance you make, Jay, you throw in a slightly dubious word, which we're not <laughs> sure if it actually is a correct word. But we'll run with that. That's fine. Impactful, <clears throat> yes. Okay. Mm, lovely. Uh, I mean, I, so from my point of view, I this is a, a template, and it is a template, um, that I, when it came out, I despised because I just, I, there was something about it. And I think because it was the first one they did was the Liverpool shirt, which I just thought was an awful shirt. I think mainly because of the the overbranding, and that's a new word as well, overbranding. <laughs> um, just because it's just. Oh. So what was that, John? Say Adidas overbranding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cynic! You. <laughs> um, and I I just I didn't like it, and, and I think also for me the first time I ever saw this shirt was when um, England played America and we lost two nil. So it kind of reminds me of a time when we realised just how bad we were. Um, mm. But as an actual shirt itself, I'm, I, I think this is one of those ones that Jay's managed to convince me, because I think when he first suggested it, I was like, oh, what, that's awful. But the more I look at it, the more I really like it, because it's, it's a very sort of plain and simple shirt, and I, I do actually really like the, the, the bars on the shoulders. I, I think it looks really nice, um, mainly due to the colours, I think, and, and the, the uh, blue, red, and blue colours there, Jay. Um, <laughs> I think the one thing I don't like about it is the the logo that the US had introduced around about that time. It's a really ultimately crappy logo. It's almost on a par with the Fulham badge, but not quite. But it, I mean, considering I think the one the, the shame for me with that is actually what they replaced was really nice. It was a, it was a really nice sort of crest, 
And then the one they've got now is is better. It's still not great, but you know. But yeah, overall, I, I, I'm, I've been convinced by Jay's arguments. I, I know I'm actually a fan of this shirt, so there you go, Jay. Something good's come out of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> John? I'm funny enough. I'm more interested, really, in what was going on with Adidas at that time and why they they made such a completely um, a complete change in their direction. So obviously, with the short-lived short-lived Adidas equipment, I've never really got to the bottom of why they did that. And was was it to launch the retro range with the old logo? I'm more interested in what was going on at the time for them. Jay, do you, do you know anything more about that? Um, I think, put simply, they're about to go out of business. Uh, really. Bernard, yeah, I believe so. Bernard Tappy actually had a huge stake in Adidas at the time. I'm not sure um, Bernard Tappy, who was the owner of Marseille around that time. And then I think things started to, to go a little bit pear-shaped for them. So it was it was a sort of... Um, what What's the term in American football? Is it a Hail Mary? Where you just... This is this is going to, something we're going to try, and it could go either way. <laughs> John shakes his head there. How Mary passes, throwing the ball into the air, and hoping that one of your own players catches it. I think. Um, yeah. So so what it was, it was it was them. Okay, we've got to do something quite drastic here, and uh, to revitalise the brand, I suppose. And and I assume it worked. I'm not really sure, but they actually it, said, yeah. so, somehow it's. They're still here today, so I, I'm pretty sure that it was. They said, "Okay, we we need a drastic change, so let's go for this." And, and our our reaction at the time was, "Well, that's horrendous. Why have you done that? Everything that's great about you is um, you, you've dispensed with, and you've brought in this this new thing, which we really really don't like." And it was gone within three years or so. If you look at the Liverpool shirt in 1995 and the uh, Newcastle United shirt that's uh, that same season. They they stripped it all back again and went went back to the three stripes on the shoulder. And suddenly there were classic classic shirts. They kind of they kind of phased it out. So if I remember Liverpool had that white, green, and black stri- um, strip with the, the the you know again heavier bars there. So it's almost like that bold colour, that bold kind of combination of colours. They they move back a bit. But I mean I think that that makes these kits even more interesting when you, if you look at it as a pinnacle of you know complete success or failure for Adidas. It makes them very important. I mean, at the time, I didn't like them, but I, I liked them because they were so different. Because I still like any kits that really shake things up, and I think that's why they're all of all of that range are really, really important. when you, you know, when you look back, uh, for me, yeah. it really, it really reached its nadir in in USA '94, when pretty much half the teams turned up wearing the identical kit template, um, <laughs> with the three bars on either side of the shirt. And it just looked. And you Well, yeah, and it just looked like they'd, they'd completely run out of ideas at this point. Other than let's make Adidas the most prominent thing on the shirt. Yeah. yeah. The, sorry. The um. Oh, I love both of those tournaments for that for that reason as well. The the U. So Euro '92. I just think of that Sweden shirt with uh, Brolin, Darlin, Brolin, and <laughs> Brolin, Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> it really should be done like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then USA '94, you've got the Romania one, which is similar to this USA one in that it's got alternate coloured stripes. It's uh, on a yellow background. You've got blue, red, blue, or red, blue, red. I can't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to research that shirt, so you can let me off for that one. Uh, actually, actually, 
I think there is an instance of them swapping the colours round on the socks or something. <coughs> so it, instead of being the right way round, it was red, blue, red, or, or vice versa. When on the shirt and shorts, it was the other way around. But that's uh, Romania, and they they didn't. They may, maybe they made our list of fifty. I'm not sure. We'll <laughs> you'll have to stay tuned for that. Um, yeah. The other point is what we said about the Athletic Bilbao shirt of it being the one colourway because that's a word that it is. the that the template worked in. That's what essentially we're saying about this USA shirt as well. It was a terrible template, but actually for the USA it worked okay. Yes, I agree. I have three points to make, if I may, on this. Um, first of all, I don't know if you're aware, but actually there was a uh, version of that shirt that was worn by the Harvard University basketball team. Uh, I don't know if you actually uh, <laughs> know that. Um, uh, secondly, yeah, but, but, but Chris, that was actually only worn in the 92-93 season. Oh, uh, that's right. Before yeah, they, they'd switched to Puma. That's <laughs> right. Um, uh, my second point, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, second point is um, that... Um, I did some research on this because I uh, thing is I loved I think a bit like yourself Joe I loved those kits when they came out I remember seeing Liverpool and I thought my God that's just incredible I mean it was just it was so bold and there was nothing subtle about it and I think that's why a lot of people don't like that particular template but um, I just thought that um, football kit design we were going into the 90s and it needed a bit of a shake up and we needed to see something a bit different and, and a new, some new ideas brought to the table and I thought well that's exactly what I want to see I want to see like a bold design it's just a shame that it reeks of kind of over commercialization unfortunately but I mean you know you if you we'd seen the three stripes down the sleeves for seemingly decades and and um, for once they just sort of said no we're going to do something different and that's what I really like about it and okay they only kept it for a few years and then went back to it but um, I just thought it was wonderful no matter which team was wearing it and I think we've said on the podcast before when you were all on our um, when when Jay and John you were on our uh, podcast a long time ago now um, there is this unfortunate side effect that during Euro 92 and World Cup 94 that we were seeing it on a lot of teams' kits. We were seeing everybody from, you know, Bulgaria to Sweden to France to, you know, whoever in those two tournaments. Loads and loads of countries wore it and it, and it did start to reach the point of sort of saturation really. But, um, but it is a good strong template and I'd love it for that reason, whether it's Liverpool or whoever in this case, um, you know, the USA and the blue, red, blue, uh, looks particularly nice on the white shirt. My third point relates directly to that because I was doing some research. You're not the only one who does research around here, you know, Jay. Um, and um, I discovered that in 1993, um, the US team were wearing that shirt, but instead of it being blue, red, blue, all three of the big blocks over the shoulder were in blue. And that's one of those kind of rare kind of curios that, that crop up sometimes when you're kind of doing research. When I've done other stuff for the Football Attic, doing various features or another, sometimes you go through the history, literally tracking through match by match by match for a particular country, and suddenly, suddenly you, you, you do sometimes unearth these things, and it's, and it's kind of odd. It seems, if you're not really interested in football kit design, you just think, oh, for God's sake, get a life. But it's just, it's just strange. Like you think, why, why have blue, red, blue in one game, and then the next one, blue, all blue? Is it because... Uh. Yeah, the kit was being washed or lost or what? You know, why would that be? Do I have a theory. Yes. Who who were who were the USA playing when they wore that kit? That was Japan. Oh, I'm just checking my notes okay. here. But, 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 yes, Japan. Uh, Kirin Cup, March '93. Um, so, oh, and they were wearing Japan wearing blue shirts. Uh, yeah, forget my theory. 
Yeah, <laughs> you haven't got a theory, have you? Let's be honest. I think no. it just comes down to um, sort of logistical supplies. I think in the 70s and prior to that, it was amazing how many variations and anomalies of kits, you know, nearly all the time. And as uh, Chris, you're quite right, you'd have to look at every single game to get proof of what was worn. Mm -hmm. I, I suspect with the amount of, you know, Adidas Worldwide slips were made, you know, um, made mistakes. And that was a kit that turned out. So yeah. it's just—I um, think it's as dull as that. But it's interesting at the same time, if you know what I mean. It's—it's mm. it's far more likely that that kit would have been made uh, as a teamwear template with with just one colour as a contrast. So if they were desperately in need of a kit that was similar to their own, if they'd lost their own or it was in the wash or, or whatever, then the closest they would have been able to get hold of at uh, uh, at short notice would have been uh, a one colour contrast like blue. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, that's probably it. And one, and one, one of, uh, sorry, 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 very quickly, I was just going to say um, another very quick thing to throw in as well is that during 1991, um, the American team wore that template, but it, they were wearing quite often on an ongoing uh, basis. They were wearing an all blue strip with white blocks on the shoulder. That was that is like blue was their home kit, first choice kit for a long while, and then they just switched to white as well. So that's just an extra thing. Sorry, carry on. That's all right. Um, I was about to, uh, just about to add as well that um, uh, obviously I, I have a big interest in Argentina shirts, and you find exactly the same thing. Literally, in one match they'll be wearing like a, a shirt with very thin stripes on it. The next match they've gone back to wide stripes, and then and then I think in one season that they wore about six different kits at one point, and it's just for no reason. It's just like they just yeah. keep swapping them around. You just think, well. You know, kind of, you you you'd you'd be amazed if that happened now because everything's so tightly controlled and you know, there's branding awareness and everything like that. You'd just be amazed if if things like happened. But it just seems to have happened so much in the 80s and and like John said, the 70s as well. It's just like there seems to have been no control over it. It's just ah, just put whatever you want on. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Rich, I mean, you've stumbled on a point there. I think it probably does happen, but very very seldom these days. I just think back then, kits just weren't important. I mean, no. you know. There's guys like us who are sort of obsessed with them, but back then they were just really functional items that had no interest to the ordinary <coughs> fan, and probably not to the team. You know, it just that's yeah. just what they were, just their uniform. Well, I mean, the, the interesting thing is, like, if you think back to the '86 World Cup, well, obviously when when Argentina played England in the quarterfinal, um, and they were wearing a completely different kit to their actual standard kits that they've taken, which is it's quite a well-known story now, you know, that um, the manager decided that the kits were too heavy for the Mexico Sun. So he literally sent them down to the local sports shop, and they brought a load of kits back. Maradona apparently went, oh, well, I'll prefer that one. And they went, right, they'll do that. And they sewed a load of old badges on. It's like, can you imagine that happening in a World Cup nowadays where someone just rocks up? And we didn't like those shirts, so we just brought our own from the local sports shop, the local intersport, you know. It's like, <laughs> it just would not happen. And that was a major tournament, you know. It's just bizarre. <laughs> yes, incredible. Unbelievable. Um, could, I, could I just uh, state a retraction, please? I've said some things about Adidas. And uh, I'm not. The, a lot of that is speculation. So I knew Bernard Taffy was involved, and then obviously he was in. He had his own financial problems and and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, they weren't necessarily about to go out of business. But it seems to tie in with the dates. So I, I don't want. You know, I'd, I'd just like to put that out there that I'm speculating. Have you had a knock uh, on it's the just door? an idea I have. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you just received an email or something. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. To Maybe. <laughs> well, that's more speculation there. Um, right, okay, shall we move on to the next one then?
It's, please let it be an Adidas shirt, please. <laughs> it is an Adidas shirt. <laughs> so continue the theory. Uh, so this one, uh, one of John's picks. This is the uh, oh, sorry, yeah uh, yeah just making sure I got the right one there. The France eighty to eighty four shirt. Yes, a real favourite of mine. I mean, I think it's uh, again we're talking about uh, anomalies. I think France wore several different shirts during that period. I know Chris, you and Rich, you both done research on that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Long sleeve shirts were different to short sleeve, different colours, different necks. But there's something about that that early eighties period in England. Certainly, as a young football fan, then we just didn't get the coverage of international football or or you know continental football. You just every now and again a European Cup tie, something like that, you'd see another team. But there was always something really magical about seeing these different strips, different teams coming over that you'd read about on the one page that Shoot or Match did that they devoted to world football. So seeing this shirt, is just it just looks so different to anything that was going on in England. And I think I don't think there's any British sides quite wore that. Essentially, it's a long sleeve shirt, so only available in long sleeved um, collar, white inset V in the middle of the shirt, the pinstripes, alternate colours red and white and the pinstripes continued on the uh, on the collar as well it's got a really low slung french badge uh, an adapted adidas um, tree for a logo without the adidas text on it and it, it's just something about it that just sums up that kind of glamour and mystique of um, continental football mm. as it was perceived in england at the time just brilliant love it that was, um, I think there are only a few other uh, countries that I know of that were wearing that. I remember Hungary wearing a variation of that in, in their red, white and green in the 82 World Cup, actually. So, um, and, yeah. and same deal, um, even pinstripes on the on the collar as well, which was, and, and the V on the collar as well, which is a, a detail that you mentioned in your blog post, John, which, uh, which looked particularly nice. Um, but you're right. Yes, in uh, around about that time, I was I did a, a feature ages ago on the football attic. It was the um, uh, greatest France home kit of the last 50 years, pretty much mm-hmm. the title. And um, you know, I started off back in about 1963 or 64, and um, again, sort of had to go through match by match in my in my research to find out which kits were worn when, and you're seeing this chopping and changing as as you mentioned earlier on, Rich, of of, of kind of kits. One match should be one kit, the next match should be a completely different kit, and and it was constant chopping and changing. And you get to the 1980s, the start of the 1980s, you think, okay, this is where it all settles down because you know proper organised commercial involvement. No, it just carries on. And yeah, you're right. Between 80 and 84, that particular shirt that you've selected there, John, was worn sort of on and off for over a four-year period, with other shirts kind of coming in, short sleeve ones for, during the summer months, and bizarre, oh, but that, that's yeah. Yeah, but the, I, I do particularly like the little white inset V, though. I think that's a, that's a crucial little detail on that, that shirt. Very nice. I think I you think... just separate out from, from British clubs at the time as well. That's And it still looks so different. And it somehow it's... And that's the one thing with French shirts. They, and it sounds really daft. They look really French. Do you know what I mean? It's such a, <laughs> yes. a strong identity. Yeah, it's, it's, I think, you know, it's, it really does the trick. Hmm. I think, um, from, from my thing, I think it's... it's it, Again, it's that like we were saying about how the shirts in in those days just kept changing. It's one thing you often find with those is is it's literally there'll be one tiny detail that's different from variations of the shirt. So you'll have mm-hmm. in this case, like with the the insert on the V neck, and you'll have a shirt that you'll have for one match, and then you have a, another shirt which is is almost identical apart from one tiny detail, like there'd be a slightly different color on the stripes or something. You just think. Why? How did that happen? Because <laughs> it's like, because it's almost like they've got the shirts, but then there's something that's slightly different. You think, well, 
why? And and again, like though we've speculated, it's probably almost certainly down to um, you know just sort of local suppliers or something. And there's you know they had to have so much in stock, and then there's a slightly different one. But back to the actual French shirt itself. Um, I mean, I, I I do like this. It's it's a very typical sort of early '80s shirt with the pinstripes. Um, one thing I absolutely love about it is the collar. Is the fact that they've actually got the pinstripes on the collar as well. Mm. Um, mm. Which is, it's just again small details that sometimes make the difference. I think the Inter Milan shirt for next season, sorry, the Internazionale. Um, <laughs> Jay will probably correct me on that. Where obviously <laughs> this this pronunciation Nazi. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, they've got the stripes again, continuing on the collar, and it's just that small detail like that that makes sometimes can make the difference between you know an average shirt and a great shirt. I mean. I also like this because it doesn't try and ape the 84 shirt, mainly because it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the other thing, one thing that's really important is, of course, the pinstripes, because you know, as, as yeah. I read an article, we, we hadn't seen them in the UK at that point. I think they arrived the following year. So, yes. you know, I still think a lot of people, a lot of people say certain aspects of kit design are the, the, the typical classic look. For me, it's pinstripes. It was, it was such a big deal at the time. So, yeah, a real... A real groundbreaking one. I, I, yeah, I, I still like I still like pinstripes today. I still think I they work really well as football kits. Mm. Um, Sorry. Yeah, the this uh, it's a good point there that uh, a kit is always great when it ignores trends from the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a my bender for this week. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Uh, the the thing I mean it's 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 good what uh, what several people have said there is that. Um, you, you'll find that we, the French, as a people, are very, very sexy. So it's not that surprising <laughs> that, that our football kit for Sorry, I, I shouldn't have laughed so hard at that one there. <laughs> you learned that. The, uh, yeah, the, the, I, I do like this shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's never been levelled at the French before. <laughs> um, the... the um, yeah, this is a great shirt. I do love it. And the pinstripes particularly... The, the alternating pinstripe is just such a great feature. Um, there was a Barcelona goalkeeper shirt from a few years ago, which is black with with uh, red and blue alternating pinstripes, and that is that could have been a fantastic outfield shirt as well. So, yeah, I think most most things about this uh, particular uh, installation of the um, of the top fifty have been described. So I'll leave it there. That's I agree with everything that's been said. Great shirt. <laughs> there's there's one thing I wanted to say actually. There's one thing that's always installment, kind of installment, me. not installation, installment. <laughs> oh my god, he's correcting himself now. Yeah, there's one thing that's always bugged me about French shirts, and that is where they do the th- sorry, specifically Adidas ones. It's where they do where they do the three stripes on the shoulder. It's the fact that they do the red stripe in between mm. one of the the two white stripes. Two white. Now, why to me, why did they never just do two white stripes and one red stripe in the middle? <laughs> just because yeah, it's just, it's just, I, it's you just know why? Because if you if you look at that in black, a photograph in black and white or something, there's you know the Adidas branding is still completely in, intact. Mm. One of those was red. There'd be a danger of that disappearing off, <clears> and, and uh, Adidas have to have the three stripes. But it's a good point. It's a good point. It's always it's just, it always annoys me because it just looks unbalanced. I wouldn't have minded so much had they put the red stripe in the second gap as well, but they don't. It's just it's just odd to me. 
What do you mean? I suppose it's... Okay, everyone else understands what I mean. Right, okay, you've got the three white stripes. It's the the French flag. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's the French flag. If you look at it, if you look at a bunch side on... Well, so why would you then put the red in the in the other space? If you put red in the other space, you've got Austrian flag or something. Because <laughs> it just unbalances the whole thing. It yeah, actually, you do know, Jay, that the French flag doesn't actually have three white stripes on it. Just checking, you know. Because it kind of it is do... the French flag, and it also isn't the French flag. It's it the do colours better. of the French flag. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It is the French flag. If no, you look not, really closely, the French flag does not have three white stripes in it. No, you, if you look closely enough, then you're so close to the shirt that the if you're kissing the shirt on the sleeve, oh my god, then the two white stripes at the edge you can't see anymore. You can only see the the three parts in the middle, which is white in the middle, blue on the left, and red on the white. Oh no, anyway. right. <laughs> anyway, so it didn't look. So the most important thing is it didn't look like the '84 shirt. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyone got any more to say on this before it descends into a fist fight? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just thinking after the last podcast where Jay was having German flag problems, I think we just, it's just getting worse. <laughs> yeah. You've got to laugh, haven't you? Oh, oh Christ. <laughs> right, what's next? Uh, is, oh, I've just hit the page down, so the page up, that doesn't help. Uh, this is the 1985-87 home shirt, again by Adidas, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. Mm. Take it away, it's John. Right, number one. Again, this is a this is another really really good design that just didn't get rolled out as much as it should have. Of course, at the time, Adidas didn't have that many teams in Britain, but I just think this is such a great design. With the essentially, I mean, Brighton at the time were were wearing predominantly blue. They ditched the blue and white stripes at the end of uh, the Buckter era in 1980. They introduced three um, sort of white horizontal bars across the chest. And then thinner pinstripes, again, horizontal along the rest of the shirt, leaving a clear area for the badge, the logo, and the sponsor's logo. It, it just didn't... I didn't see it anywhere else in England, but it was such a strong, strong design and a really good way of getting that kind of proportion of colour in. Um, certain teams, like, you know, have, have a certain proportion of two colours. Middlesbrough, a great example, you know, white and red. Brighton, as well, should have a lot of white in their kit, I I think, and even when they were playing in predominantly blue, this is a really good way to kind of ease the um, the white the white proportion of white back up higher again. Mm. I just think it's a brilliant design. I mean, I think we only ever saw it predominantly with uh, was it Anderlecht playing Spurs in the UEFA Cup? That's right. I think yes. they wore a nice that's it, a purple and white version that actually had pinstripes and the chest bars kind of flowing all the way through the shirt. By the time we got to Brighton, they obviously thought they needed to clear an area for the um, the appropriate logos. But, yeah, a really, really good shirt. Sponsored the first season by Phoenix Brewery and then the second season, of course, by the um, the world-famous sponsors that everyone likes to snigger at. I don't know if it's pronounced Nobo or whether it's just N-O-B-O, but, um, yeah, <laughs> they, they took over the following year, which... Again, hang on, hang on. Let's go to our pronunciation expert, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Not Pop, or is it Nobel? I think you'll find it's Nobo. I think it's Nobo. I think it's No B-O. It's, it's like Life Boy Soap uh, campaign. I think you'll find uh, it's actually... Uh, I think you've had Nobo. Do you know what they actually did? Do you know what they did? What the company were? I think they made dildos. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a good guess. <laughs> it's actually pronounced knob. Oh. <laughs> the stationery supplies, office stationery and, and whiteboards right. and things like that, I believe. Oh, yeah, actually, I say that. We actually have them at work. Yeah, and I keep seeing that word every... It's one of those, you know, one of those things where you see it all the time. You see knobs all... I mean, knobbo all the time. And, <laughs> and it's just like you don't associate it with that famous thing. It's like um, Talon who used to sponsor Cov City. Of course, yeah. They still exist, because I, I, I drive past their, their sort of offices almost every day, and you, but it's one of those disconnect things. You just think, oh, they're like that, and then you look at town, and you think, oh, I wonder if they've gone out of business, and you think, no, actually, it's the same place, isn't it? <laughs> who are they 30 years? What? Every time you see that on a whiteboard, you must be tempted just to get a marker and just draw the Brighton shirt around it, surely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't. You're assuming <laughs> I haven't done that, John. Ah, of course. I was just saying, who's Talon? Who are Talon? Talon make pens. Do uh, they? Same again. Yeah, yeah. How can you not know who Talon are? <laughs> Probably only in the Coventry area, I'm suspecting. I, I, I think so, yes. I, I'm pretty sure oh, because oh, we oh, had... Oh, yes, pens, yeah. yes. Mm. Oh, this is oh. a goldmine of uh, nerd-tastic <laughs> information, isn't it? <laughs> if you, if you like this football attic stationary podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next week it raises everyone. <laughs> Lots of rubber gags. <laughs> yes. Rub, um, rubber and nobo. Ah, I was going to say about the, going back to the uh, original discussion on the shirt. Um, I, like yourself, John, when, when the vertical pinstripes were all the rage in the early 80s, and it, it just kind of got me into a complete frenzy as a kid because I just thought it was the most modern-looking, forward-thinking way of designing a shirt. Um, in my kind of naivety, I, I suppose I thought that was the limitation of how how pinstripes were ever going to be. They were going to be vertical, and, and that's it. Yeah. And then yeah. when when horizontal ones come along, I thought, oh my god, this is just unbelievable. And of course, and even some teams like Portugal had diagonal ones, and I just thought, oh, I can't handle all this. This is just too much. Too but, but the but the horizontal ones I, I particularly liked. Um, and I mean, going slightly off tangent, but there was um, I remember West Bromwich Albion had an away kit which was yellow with blue horizontal stripes and where I saw the horizontal pin stripes I just thought it worked just as well as the vertical ones lovely very nice See, and it's just that lovely, lovely little hint of red there as well in the Brighton shirt which yeah. again gives it that extra lift doesn't it <coughs> that's because yeah. it's the French flag <laughs> <laughs> Brighton being near the sea and France has also got some sea around it as well um, and, yeah. uh, in terms of this shirt, this is another one of those ones where when I first look at it, I don't like the design. But when someone then takes me through the different elements of it, I start to appreciate it a lot more. For instance, I look at this, and to me, my first impression is, oh, you know, because it's like there's three blocks at the top, which I've never quite liked. There was a Middlesbrough had a shirt very similar to it um, in the late 80s, I think, when they were sponsored by Dickens. And also the, I think the Wales shirt, which was an Adidas one, which had the kind mm. of three stripes at the top of, you know, getting ever smaller as they went up. Yeah. yeah. And I just didn't like it. I've just, there's something about those sort of three blocks at the top of a shirt I've never liked. But I love the horizontal pinstripes. But as you were describing it then, John, and sort of going through the different elements, I actually start thinking, actually, no, I like it, because I was thinking, what would I do to change it? You know, would I continue the pinstripes at the top or not have the block bars? And then I just think, no, actually, I like it. It works because of the, the, the way that it's put together. And I love the fact that they've left the gap in the middle to keep everything clear. So, yeah, I, 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 again, newfound appreciation. 
it frames it perfectly, doesn't it? And it's one of those yeah. shirts as well. It's amazing when we when we're doing this series now. You look back, and so many of those older shirts, especially from Adidas in some way, they're almost timeless. You can almost imagine that being worn now without anyone blinking an eye. It would it would fit right in, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. The uh, all, all of the '80s Adidas shirts. You you can't really go wrong with with so many of them. They are fantastic. A lot of shirts that West Ham used to wear in the in the '80s are just oh, beautiful, especially the away shirts. The the proportions argument is is very very interesting. Um, recently, you see that a lot with uh, Barcelona and Paris Saint Germain, where you, if you can change your kit drastically, you can change the style of your kit drastically, as long as you have certain rules about uh, what the proportions of each colours will be, which each colour will be in order to, to remain recognisable as the team that you are. So Barcelona change their kit so often from halves to a sort of diagonal half thing to stripes to thick stripes to, to thinner stripes again. But because they keep the proportions correct, you, you, when you're watching them on tele, television or if you even if you're at the ground, I would imagine, they still look the same. And the same with Paris Saint-Germain, they, they tend to to change it as much as they can in order to sell more shirts each season because especially with stripes if something is very distinctive you why buy the shirt every season but if you can manage to change it up and, and <coughs> keep the identity of the team um, despite that change then you're onto a winner I think Bayern Munich are probably the classic example of um, changing drastically changing their design sort of from one season to the next of the game from sort of plain shirts to stripes to red and white to red to red and blue and all sorts of things and it's uh, that's a that's a completely other conversation to have I think we, that probably takes up a uh, an hour and a half podcast on its own I should yeah. think but we'll save that for another time yeah that, that, I mean that's that as well but that, it doesn't work with those teams because they ignore the proportions element and they, they will change the colour of the shorts or colour of the socks or because they go to stripes from a plain shirt. That doesn't work. But when you, but the way Barcelona and, um, and Paris Saint-Germain do it and Brighton in this instance is because you keep the proportions the same, the portion, proportions of each colour, regardless of how it is presented, you, can still, you will still trigger that memory of, of that team and say, OK, well, of course I, I recognise them. And that's that's arguably the problem with uh, when we talk about Adidas, Adidas equipment again. With that Liverpool shirt, it was that just that introduction of all that white. It it yeah. it was such a shock, wasn't it? Because you know the proportions were different to what we were used to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that could be described as the anti <coughs> anti Shankly shirt because he, he removed all the white, but proportionally speaking, because you brought so much back, it was almost as if you had a plain red shirt or the same proportion of white as if you had a plain a plain red shirt and white shorts and white socks. What was Good the other yeah. What was the Liverpool shirt that came with right before it? The, it was the the the, the um the uh, can, was it the candy paint splattered one, wasn't it? I think. Oh, uh, the the one with the triangles yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, fadey triangles. Well, again, yeah. too much white again. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool should have white and yellow trim on all of their shirts. That's that's the rule. Yeah. Well, they've mm. got it for next season. It's rubbish. No, I like it. I like that. I don't. I don't no. like the. I don't like the. Uh, yeah, I don't like the. Um, there's two things I don't like about it. One is the the shadow pattern on it, which is just too busy, uh, and and detracts from the actual shirt. The second thing is the trim where they've got it, and I think I made this comment in a, another podcast before. If that was a collar, that would have been beautiful, but it's not. It's a pseudo collar, so it looks stupid. But if that had just been an actual collar with blue, uh, blue, <laughs> yellow and white trim on it, that would have been awesome. But they they didn't. They've screwed that up. So 
Uh, so, but I, I, like I, I, I do colors. like. Yeah, you would. <laughs> I've got my pseudo life. <laughs> oh my god! Now it's the existential podcast. Oh, right, are we are we all done on that one? Should, can we move on from Brian oh. before Jay tops himself? <laughs> we all done. Oh any yeah. more points on any more points on Brighton before we move it on? Uh, okay, and we're we're now to number thirty-six, which is uh, I believe. Let me just check the list. Is there another one of yours, John? Yeah, but it's an Umbro one. It's the Watford eighty-five to eighty-eight. Take it away, John. I think Watford are very lucky, or they certainly were very lucky. They had a, a very unique colour scheme. Um, with plenty of red to accompany the yellow and black. Of course, nowadays they tend to just play in yellow and black. But I think in the 80s, the fact that they issued, they included so much red in their shirts was, was a really big deal. Um, and makes it, made the team look really fresh, really, um, really exciting, really dynamic. This shirt, again, is one of those templates that went out quite a bit with Umbro's teams at the time, but not not to everybody. Um, essentially, it was a, a shirt with self-coloured cuffs and v-neck with the typical 80s kind of multi-trim on there. So we had varying bands of uh, thickness of colour, red and black. And across the chest, there was a, a red and black band, a horizontal band, just divided little diagonal, kind of like uh, three-quarters of the way across. Really good way of getting a team's colours uh, very prominent on the shirt without detracting from the uh, from the rest of the shirt itself. But the thing, I mean, so many Watford shirts in the 80s were so good. What this one had that was a little bit extra was the uh, the Solvite logo, who were their sponsors at the time, the, the DIY adhesive kind of company. They included their logo in their corporate colour of green. Now, in mm. theory, that just shouldn't work. You, you know, it would be an awful clash. But really, it worked so well. It really accompanied the shirt. It, it allowed Solvite to retain their corporate integrity and their corporate identity. But somehow, it also allowed Watford to retain theirs. Of course, at the time, we have to remember that most sponsors were, you know, coloured by the, 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 the team's, um, team's colours. So, you know, whatever it was, it would be changed in colour to fit in with the, the side. But Solvite sort of obviously stuck out and, uh, and kept it in their corporate colours. So it meant for a really, really good design. Um, and again, it's, I think it's just such a shame that Watford don't have more red in their shirts these days. Hmm. I, I agree with that. I think um, the, the switch to yellow and black is, I don't know, it's just, it's all right, and it's, it's certainly unique, I suppose. It's not, well, it's not totally unique, but the red just adds that extra bit, and I suppose it's, uh, maybe it's just because I'm a kid of the 80s, and that's what we grew up with, and it's just, you kind of like it. But I think the most interesting point about it is, it's like you mentioned about the, the color of the sponsor. I hadn't even really noticed it was green. Or that green, I should say, because it's quite a, it's it's a fairly dark green, but I hadn't noticed it actually. It was so different until you pointed it out, <laughs> and yet I've seen I must have seen that shirt so many times, but I hadn't really noticed it. But that's I think testament to the fact that it does work, yeah, because you yeah. don't notice it. It doesn't jar. It just seems to be natural. Which, like you say, when you consider it's yellow, red, and black, it just shouldn't work, but it somehow <laughs> does. It actually, I think if it was anything else, it would probably stand out even more, which is it's really strange. I think, I mean, it's, you know, we spoke earlier, I think the uh, the relationship between sponsors and teams is parallel in discussion these days. So we, back then, it must have been a really big deal, and somebody, I did see somewhere online, that um, apparently replicas were sold without the Solvite logo. So I don't know how it's at the time with Watford fans, whether they uh, were up in arms about it, I really don't know. But it's, it's interesting when you look back... Through, uh, <coughs> Yeah, 
Here's um, I'm, I'm, a couple of points here from me. Um, first of all, John, I'm completely with you about the the fact that Watford kits always look better with a big dollop of red. I think that's key. In fact, I didn't even know until comparatively late in my life that uh, that Watford's colour scheme was traditionally yellow with black. Uh, and when I see them wearing yellow and black now, it just I don't know. It just doesn't look quite right to me. It looks a bit flat, but with that red, it just perks things up a little bit. But anyway, something that just literally has only just occurred to me, even despite the fact that I've I read your article a while back and and I've been I'm very familiar with what that particular Watford shirt looks like, and and, and even the Solvite green. I remember the seeing the Solvite in green. Something that's only just in the last minute or so occurred to me is that Solvite packets of Solvite wallpaper paste were yellow. So that. Not only was the the green, but it would be green solver on a yellow packet. So like the whole yellow thing with Watford just completely brought the whole thing together. Why didn't I think of that? It's so bloody obvious. I'd miss that as well. I'd miss that as well. It's funny, isn't it? But yeah, no, it's yeah. a good point. That's, if, you know, it's that's, that's probably why it all it all gels together yeah. so well. Well, it's going back to that Lotus Cars thing, the knowledge that we mentioned in the last point. If you're talking about kind of you know sponsors um, getting their kind of colour scheme across in a particular kit, well, there's another example, really. Um, yeah. Showing my age here as well, and um, feel free to chip in anyone who uh, also is of a similar age to myself. Um, and that's that I remember in the late 70s, there used to be these Solvite adverts on TV, and it was basically a guy getting into a, a pair of overalls, <laughs> and they would use the wallpaper paste to paste into that's a ball, right. then hoist it up, on a helicopter, and he would be dangled over, I don't know, San Francisco Bay or something, and it was oh, supposed to... Road. Or, <laughs> yeah, they should have done it over Vicarage Road. <laughs> and it was supposed to show the strength of the wallpaper paste that he didn't fall off this board. I mean, you know, n never mind the fact that he was probably kind of nailed into place before the whole shoot took place. But, um, but yeah, and uh, so I, that, that image, uh, that particular advertising campaign is one that I remember. Uh, you can find it on Google. Just type in Solvite advert onto YouTube, and uh, you'll see it. But... Um, uh, but yeah, just the the yellow with the green uh, and that bar across the middle. Actually, they um, Umbro used that template I think for Dundee, and it looked really good in their colours as well, with blue with a white and red bar across the middle. Lovely, very nice template. That's right, and I, I think they did something similar. Was it with Sheffield United? I can't remember now. There was one other team I think that had it as well, but it, it ended up as a team wear template a bit later on um, because it was such a great way of getting getting those colours across. <laughs> Yeah, it also, arguably, it, it could fight with the sponsor's logo as well because it's, it's mm. you know, what's going to be the main point of interest there when you when you look at the shirt. So it was a, it's a tricky one to get right, but it's, um, I, I think it's, yeah, another really good design. And one, that, again, you could see being worn today very easily. Mm. Wasn't there a way kit at the time, the same thing, but in white instead of yellow? I was just about to say, if well, anything, and this is really contentious, I think actually that's even better than the yellow one in some ways. Well, just the funny thing is, I was about to say, I don't think that, because I, I actually think the green <laughs> really stands out on that shirt and, and kind of doesn't sort yeah. of flow with the rest of it. Yeah, that did cost me. I mean, Watford historically at, at the time just sort of, you know, switched the colours, I think, a lot of the time. But yes, that was another really good, a good looking mm. one. <clears throat> yeah, um, oh, it's another excellent shirt. An, an excellent template as well. Um, I think Newcastle United had it as an away shirt, uh, as yeah, an away shirt as well. In silver. And, yeah, in silver, which wasn't as nice as this one, but this one was was particularly good. The the arguments about sponsors, obviously, there's there's always going to be a push that shirts don't have sponsors on. Uh, I was wondering whether, I mean, it's probably not the case, but I was wondering whether the replica <clears throat> shirts didn't have the Solvo sponsor because of. Um, because we think of replica shirts as related to children, maybe, and children shouldn't be glue sniffing. Is that? 
I don't think <laughs> so. <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't think I don't think people were that bothered about it in those days. I just think actually a lot of the time a lot of replica shirts didn't have the sponsors on. Yeah, no, that's true. It was, it was quite common for them not to, especially in the kids' size, because they often just didn't shrink the logo, so they just wouldn't put it on because the shirt was too small. Absolutely. But was, yeah. I, I, was I alone in looking at those shirts and thinking, I, I really must have the sponsor's logo on. I wouldn't have it if it didn't, you know, it had to have that, you know, whatever it was on the front of the shirt. Yeah. Actually, the funny thing, if you look at that shirt, if you took the sponsor's logo off it, I actually think it'd look even better. Nowadays, Ooh. if you took that off, if you, if you took that off, I think that would look awesome as a shirt now. Well, actually, if you look on um, old football shirts, of course, one of the best football shirt sites around, there is a there is a shirt there without it on. There's also one there with the Solvite logo in white, which looks really? horrific. That's it insane. Yeah, I don't know if someone's saying he's not sure if it's a player's shirt or not, but uh, no, I think you're right, Rich. I think that would work really well as a shirt today. A touch of the kind of, uh, was it the, um, that kind of Adidas uh, Umbro casual fashion as well, you know, like Ivan mm. Lendl with Adidas shirts and, you know, tennis shirts and stuff. It's got that kind of feel to it, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes. It, it's, it's a, I'd, I'd really like that shirt. It's, oh, mm, yeah, baby. <laughs> the, <laughs> a bit too much. What? The other thing regarding um Oh no, what have you just done? Click. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing regarding sponsors is is interesting because we go back to the proportions argument. So we we say that that to to make a shirt recognisable, you've got to have proportions of the of the colours of the team. Um, so we mentioned Barcelona about that. the The thing with sponsors is it messes up the whole proportions thing because you're adding a, another colour, which in some cases is a tertiary colour, but in this case it's, it goes beyond that. It's, it's like a fourth colour for the palette. Um, if you add a, a a sponsor in a particular colour, I wonder if maybe you, it, it should be, generally speaking, it should be in the colour of the shirt, so most of the time, say with Arsenal, you have a, a white sponsor, but maybe you need to then remove, uh, lower the proportion of that colour elsewhere on the shirt. So one recent example is a, a Fulham kit from about three or four years ago, <coughs> where they had uh, a black and white shirt, and the shirt had the, the V, uh, the big black V thing, which was started by Spain, on Adidas shirts around that time, so it had a big. It wasn't the collar; it was actually just a, a sort of half collar, half chevron design in black. Yes. And there was no red on the shirt at all, even though Fulham often have have red on their shirts. The shorts were black with red stripes, I think. So mm. initially, that wouldn't tie in very well. But the sponsor on the on the Fulham shirt for that season was red. So you you removed any sort of proportion of the shirt being red to tie in with the shorts. The stripes, the red stripes on the shorts, but you had that sponsor that tied in as well. So integrating a sponsor into a shirt is is quite important. And and if you use it as part of the proportions, so the percentage of each colour that you have on the shirt, um, can actually work quite well. Interestingly enough, though, Jay, with that that Fulham shirt, if I think the socks didn't have any black on it at all, I think they were white with red with red trim, which. <laughs> It's even more puzzling because, as you say, you know, obviously in the old days when shirts would be designed two or three years in advance or two years in advance or whatever, I think the Fulham shirt picking it up as a, just a team wear template, yeah. you know, I guess sometimes that comes across and it's not in sync with who the sponsor's going to be. So there's a there's definitely a bit of a um, kind of Russian roulette, I guess, in choosing the colours there, perhaps. Yeah, I, I think it was it was that they made the the best of a bad deal by because they knew they weren't a high profile Adidas 
client, they knew they were just going to get some sort of Teamware template or, or or something along those lines. So even if it's not template, they were they, I, even if it wasn't Teamware, they were still going to get something very very simple from Adidas rather than something completely bespoke. So they chose black shorts with red stripes, and and then said, okay, well the the sponsor will tie in with that, so that will be okay. And then the the socks, I suppose they didn't have an option of having a tertiary color on the socks, so that's where they lost out there. Yeah, yeah, oh, interesting. Well, we move on to number 35, and this is another choice by John. Jeez, oh, <laughs> uh, John. Uh, and this is the Man United 92-94 home shirt by Umbro. Take it away again, John. <laughs> possibly, possibly out of all of my shirt selections for the, you know, that I put forward, I think this is one of the greatest. I mean, you know, I'm not a United fan, but at the time I thought this was such a great, great design. Um, for those of you who can't picture it, it was the very, very baggy in size, white, uh, proper old-fashioned collar, and even more old-fashioned was the white lace-up they used across the neck. I mean, this was a time when there was a real kind of like post-modern vibe going on in football kit design. Instead of moving forward. They kind of began to look back at retro retro shirts, retro kits, seeing what was warm in the past, and you began to see that coming into um, into football. The shirt otherwise was decorated with a, a 3D kind of shadow geometric um, mark with the made up of the the club's initials, but it was just such a really really strong design. What makes it even more interesting, I think, looking back, is that there's so many occasions where a team's Sort of fortunes are changed by either a change of uh, kit designer, not so much sponsor, but certainly when a new kit designer comes on board, it can really lift things in terms of their performance. United, of course, have been through the 80s with Adidas, and hard as it may seem now to look back, they'd gone over you know 24, 25 years without a league title. So Umbro came in, first season, they won the title, and it just seems, I mean, Adidas must have been kicking themselves, thinking, what you, you know, sheer bad luck of that. But it was just an amazing um, bit of synchronicity, I guess, that you know a new kit supplier comes in, fresh design. Of course, Sir Alex Ferguson may have had something to do with it, and all the, the players he brought through. But I think, I think it was the shirt that did it. <laughs> Quite possibly, <laughs> it had some effect. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I have to say those those Umbro kits that were coming out at that time, all those vintage retro. Designs with the lace-up collars and everything else. I just thought were absolutely superb. Um, the I know we just mentioned before on, on this podcast um, the Aston Villa one with the kind of uh, blue yoke, which I think Rich detests. Uh, I'll say I'll <laughs> say it for you. Um, and uh, there were a few others at the time. I think Ipswich had a lace-up collar. I seem to remember. And there was even one that I spotted just today, which I haven't seen for ages, and it was um, Oldham's change kit which was white and it had red panels down the side and this very strange kind of old-fashioned red lace-up thing and that was brilliant and um, I don't think we, anybody sort of got, saw that particular kit very much back then probably Oldham didn't wear it very often uh, <clears throat> back in the day but they were another one of the teams in Umbro's stable of teams uh, if, you, if you like that had this retro vintage thing going on and, and all those kits were great but the Man United one it it did look the part it just as you said, John, it was. It felt like there was time. It was time for a change, and just to sweep aside all that kind of Adidas stuff, which was going a bit stale, I think, as you said. And um, and yeah. it, it was just it was lovely. Just when that came in, it was a breath of fresh air. 
made a big no, you're absolutely spot on Chris and of course it had just the right amount of black in it as well it was a really again colour proportions it was just it was perfectly done right. um, it was, and it's really funny with the laces because they were purely decorative weren't they I mean, of course yeah. you know in the 20s or 30s it would have had a function a functional uh, inclusion to tie the shirt up they were purely there for decoration which is quite mm. you know it's quite unusual looking back on it now I, I think it's one of those shirts, I think we had one last time, I'm just trying to think which one it was, oh, it was the Corinthians one, where when you look at it and, and break down its individual constituent parts, there's a lot going on, but when you look at the shirt as a whole, it doesn't appear that busy, and I mm. think that's, that's, again, quite a sort of a masterstroke, it's like kind of, you look at the shirt as a whole, it actually looks really plain, you know, it's just the, the, the sort of, there's no separate sleeve design or anything, it's all just the same all over, and all you've got is a collar with the lace-ups, but then when you actually look into it, there's this, you know, like you say, there's the, the shadow print on it, um, there's the laces, there's the fine detail on the collar, and it's actually, it, I mean, I'll admit that when we put this list together, it's not one that I, I don't think I ever voted for it at all, it's not one that I was really bothered by, but but again, the more I look at it now, and the more you you sort of go into it, actually, I can I can appreciate it a lot more. It's it's actually a really nice considered design, and considering what United have had since then, I mean, there's had some nice designs, but if you consider what they've had in the last five six years, I don't think there's a single design that's come anywhere near to to epitomising them as this. So, no, good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, for this is going to contradict that's things I've said in the past, but the <laughs> the juxtaposition of the lace collar with the shadow pattern, which is obviously very modern, geometric as you say, and it, it has all these logos, and it's obviously a, a modern manufacturing technique as well to manage to get that sort of level of detail into the uh, fabric of the of the shirt like that. That sort of jars with me. I'm not a, a huge fan of the shirt in general, but that. When Umbro came in and, and brought in all these different shirts with the with that as a feature, I did actually like. I did like the Villa one, for example. I thought that one that one worked quite well. Uh, just, I mean, it's. I don't mind it as a shirt. I think it's okay, um, but I'm not a huge fan. Just as as a really really nerdy detail, when Umbro actually presented these shirts initially to Manchester United when they were taken over the contract from Adidas, they presented them with the old well with without actually modifying the crest. So if you look, there are a few um, prototype shirts, prototypes of this shirt particularly, uh, that you, you sometimes find online. And if you look very, very closely at the crest, on the curls of the scroll, you still have the Adidas boot that Adidas brought in in the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, so you've got branding of, of two different brands on the same shirt there. Excellent. I didn't realise that. <laughs> Which makes sense because why why bother changing everything if it's not the actual finished article? But mm. yeah, it's uh, it's funny it's actually. Jay, as well. over. The funny thing you say as well about the idea of having the ultra modern technology there and the the kind of retro style. But for me, that's that's very much what a kit should be. It should be forward thinking. It shouldn't be purely retro, but it should um, acknowledge his, history and heritage as well. So I think that that achieved that. That achieved that quite well, and I think actually the other the other little tiny detail I've got a feeling, and I'm not sure about this. In the second season, wasn't that when Umbro changed their logo and went all uppercase on their on their work on their text? Does that ring any uh, bells? I think yeah, it was it this shirt. I think this shirt was the first. '92 was the first because they changed it for the England shirt in Euro '92. So if you look at it, was the same shirt that they wore in Italia '90, but the Euro '92 England shirts had the word marking uppercase. Right. Again, that's, something you'll see on eBay from time to time. 
Or, or, uh, are you, John, are you meaning when they just literally ditched the diamond and had the word Umbro in big blocks? No, I think the, um, oh, yeah. the previous logo had the, the double, the two diamonds, but Umbro in, in their sort of lowercase, lower, yeah. um, and then this switched to uppercase. I wasn't sure because I remember a lot of teams, their, team, their, their strips changed over the two-year cycle. The second year, it all went uppercase, capital letters for Umbro. But I think, Joe, you're right, the United kit was, was capital letters all the way through. This is this is quite an important detail, John. How have you actually illustrated this shirt? I think I've done it with the capital letters. I'm just checking it now. Oh, that's but, good. Um, that's perfect. That's what it should yeah, be. Yeah, my, my heart was in my mouth there for a moment, but I think it's all okay, so don't, don't worry. <laughs> don't panic, Mr. Mannering. I was just kind of wondering, um, you know, if United hadn't won the league that year for the first time mm. in all those years, whether it would still be regarded as a classic kit. I think it probably would. It's that strong a design. I think it probably still would have been. It's a good point. I think it adds a little bit of extra something, doesn't it? But yeah, it's it's interesting to look and 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 figure out how do shirts become good because of what they the teams achieved in it in while wearing it. I don't know. Definitely uh, a massive point, and and we don't know. This is the this is the this is going to come up again. That do we are we actually just looking at shirts aesthetics, or actually have we been convinced by iconic moments in history or uh, success on the field, and and that's. That's really hard. I, I find that really difficult to deal with. That I'll never actually know whether the shirt was any good or not. And <laughs> we've tried to we've tried to avoid it so much as we've done this list because there's so many I would have had. Like we mentioned the the Liverpool shirt from 1890-91 with the with the white triangles. And yeah, it's had too much white on it, but I love it. I've got that shirt, but I, I would never have dreamt of putting it forward for this list because it's it's not a good shirt. And I know if you if you'd looked at it for the first time back then, you would have said, well, that's terrible. But I love it now because I remember Liverpool winning the league in it. But this, again, goes back to my whole England 82 point. It's like people have fond memories of that shirt, despite the fact it's utter dog shit. <laughs> but it's like... But I, because I, like I say, if Nike came out with that shirt now, there would be a massive uproar. And people, if it had never existed and, and it came out now, people would go, "Oh, it's the worst shirt ever!" And yet everybody goes, "Oh, it's the best England shirt ever." That is when it clearly isn't, you know. Mm. Well, I think yeah, the best example is actually Italy, the Italian ninety. Uh, well, yeah, England, yeah. Because then yeah. people do associate that with some degree of success, i.e., reaching the last four. But um, by the way, is that <coughs> the bit you, you want me to bleep out, though, Richard? No, no, no. You, you, you'll know the bit that we're going to bleep oh, out. Yeah. Dog shit can stand for that England 82 shirt. <laughs> I'm, I'm you, can that, you can bleep that if you want, though. Okay. <laughs> what, what about my ears? I have to hear it, don't I? So it's no good bleeping it when you when you edit this. I'm well, I'll tell you what. If if you mentally bleep it, it's. <laughs> well, just give me a warning. What's that? Wait, you'll word? know. You'll know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's what's you do know what our safe word is, Rich. <laughs> I'm just pretending for the podcast. Um, anyway, incidentally, um, someone has actually designed that um, that Admiral 82 shirt as a Nike shirt on DesignFootball.com. So if you if you go onto that website, if it's working, who knows whether it's working or not? Um, <laughs> they haven't designed that shirt as a Nike shirt. They've replaced They've the Admiral logo. Yeah, exactly. That's not designing. So it's not. That's not taking. Uh, I'm just like me designing the Mona Lisa with a, a different colour in it. You know, it's like yeah, I'm not designing it. I'm just taking someone else's work and changing the logo. I, I think it's a satire on uh, modern football kit design. Do you mm. now? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, very well done to you, Jay. 
Right. Uh, we next come to, and this isn't a choice by John. This is actually the oh, first choice by Chris in this in this block of ten. So you can have a rest now, John. <laughs> um, this is number thirty-four. It's all right, you know. You sit down, rest your feet. Um, and this is an, this is another Umbro one, and it's the Rangers eighty-seven to ninety home shirt. And this, before I let Chris speak, is one of my personal favourites. I, I I really like this, but I shall let Chris introduce it. Well, um, I, I felt duty-bound to put this one forward, partly because I actually used to own this shirt back in the day when I was, you know, I don't know, 17 or 18 or something like that. I That was when I was sort of just left school, started getting a bit of money in my pocket that um, I could spend every week that wasn't going to my mum for housekeeping money. Um, I could go out and um, have my choice of any uh, shirt I could find. <laughs> um, one sh one shop that I used to go to from time to time with a couple of mates of mine, I think, was, I think it was called Soccer Scene in... And I might have got this wrong as well. I think it was Carnaby Street in London. Yeah. And it was just this absolute cornucopia store full of shirts from every corner of the world, every club team, national team you could think of. It just seemed to have every single shirt ever made. And we used to go there every few months. And I think that's where I got the Rangers shirt from there, actually. But anyway, I digress. I own this shirt. And what I loved about it was the checkerboard pattern. That, for me, is the the, the big... The, the 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 whole sort of motif that this whole design is based on it had a shadow pattern um, a checkerboard pattern other than that very little else there was a thin bit of white piping going along the shoulders um, it had the same uh, round neck uh, button up collar which was actually seen on the England shirt at the time as well which was obviously also made by Umbro and um, and it was just the checkerboard pattern because um, shadow patterns were coming in by that point. To my mind, they were all a little bit sort of ho-hum, and this, this, very simple as it was, this checkerboard shadow pattern was so strong that it, it, it was like a pattern in its own right, like a, a printed pattern, because it was so noticeable. I think I've said in my blog post that um, there, I, I dare you to try and find on Google Images a picture of that shirt worn at the time where you can't see the the checkerboard pattern. If no matter what angle it was, the the picture was taken from, you could see that checkerboard pattern because the light would reflect off one set of squares or the other, and it, that was genius. And it just it was looked so sort of modern for the time, and it was beautifully executed by Umbro. They really got that one spot on. I'm trying to think of any other team that might have worn that template at the time or with that checkable pattern. And I, to be honest, I can't think of any. Um, not that that necessarily makes it a classic, but um, it certainly makes it distinctive for that reason. And um, it was just nicely executed. The Rangers badge that was on there, there's no fancy kind of shield around it or anything else. Just understated but beautifully stylish. And in short, um, that's essentially why I like that kit. I, there's nothing much else to say because it was simple but beautifully executed. Funnily enough, I was about to say exactly the same thing. This is one of those shirts that when you look at it, there's not a huge amount to actually talk about, but you just look at it and think, that is just gorgeous. And it's just one of those, again, it's, it's one of those ones that it's just purely on the aesthetics. There's nothing, I mean, I don't know, I, the only other shirt I can think of that, had a, that, that might have been the same design was the Football League 11. Uh, which uh, in the centenary match where they played the World Eleven, um, I'm sure it was the exact same design as that, but that in sort of white, very likely, and sort yeah. of navy, navy and sky blue trim, I think. But yeah, I, I just think this is gorgeous. The one funny thing with this show is that this obviously was, um, I think, the same year Celtic had their centenary shirt, 
Um, and I, for years, thought it was the same shadow pattern because they both had very small shadow patterns. But actually, the Celtic one was diamonds as opposed oh, to squares. But it was very similar. So I remember thinking, oh, they've just given them, you know, virtually the same shirt, but obviously in their own colors. But actually, I was, I was slightly wrong. So, <laughs> but yeah, this is a, this is a great shirt. And I, I just again, the fact that it doesn't have any superfluous trim on it, it's got the, it's got that neck that I despised when it came out but then grew to absolutely love um, and it's it's just got very minimal trim and the rest of it, it's just, it, it's just fantastic, I love it mm. No, definitely I mean, despite, um, you know, my folks hailing from the, the green and white half of Glasgow, <laughs> Rangers have had so many so many good shirts over the years but the, all of them have been very uh, minimal in design, and, and funny enough Chris, I don't want to make you jealous, I've actually got the Soccer Scene catalogue of the year <gasps> Oh my but god very, uh, very shirt on there, as you can see. There um, it is. But what's, I'd like to check out that away, kid, the white and red diagonal half. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's another story. But what, one thing I always noticed from that shirt all the, t- <laughs> all the time was the fact that the checkerboard almost looked 3D. It, it was so yeah. strong that whenever you saw the fabric, you almost felt, you know, I don't know if it was raised fabric, Chris, or was it just a flat... But it almost it was just a it cross cross weave or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, it had a real texture to it, and I used to find that intriguing because I, you know, shadow patterns were one thing, but there was something about the way that was executed. It had a real texture to it, and and that the cycling cycling jersey collar was was just brilliant. A really, <laughs> you know, so many Umbro kits had it at the time, but it was uh, really really good stuff. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the shirt. Uh, I think what you say about the crest, Ranger shirts always had a larger crest in, say, the 70s as they won a, a Cup Winners Cup or something um, yeah. years ago. I think they trashed Barcelona that night as well. But the, um, the yeah, they yeah they had a bigger crest then. It was it was much nicer on those shirts. So they, they went back to it a couple of years ago because they removed the five stars around the crest, which allowed them more more room in terms of regulations to, to make that, um, that initials crest uh, a little bit larger, and it looked great. I'm not a huge fan of the shirt, but what you say about the the pattern is is important. We we talk about watermarks and shadow stripes and so on, and, and we group them all in together. But when it was actually something that was uh, designed as part of the weave, it had much more of an impact. So you you get the shadow stripes or you get the initials and all these kind of things. They show a lot better, especially in light, if it's part of the weave in, mm. in terms of the fabric that's, that's used as well. So it's it was probably a particularly shiny fabric to get that effect. It's, it's a jam out. It's a jacquard in, in those sorts of shirts, especially late 80s. So the Liverpool ones in, say, 88 to 87 to 89, Liverpool home shirt, that had a, a similar thing with LFC and Adidas logos or whatever else in it. And, and that has a, a similar effect. Liverpool, a couple of seasons ago, when they nearly won the league, 2013-14, that shirt had a very similar design to the 87-89 shirt, uh, but it wasn't done as a jacket, it was done as a watermark. Now, you had to look very, very closely to see that it, it was done in that in a, in a different way. It was deliberately made to look like it was a jacquard or as part of the weave but it wasn't and and doesn't it doesn't have the same effect and it looks cheaper as well it's as a manufacturing technique to just sublimate something is is cheaper and and will look cheaper as well so yeah it's I, that that technique is is important it's a shame we don't see so much of it today 
I think also, also, sorry, go on, John. I was just going to say very, very briefly, talking about um, eras of what teams achieved as well at that time. Of course, Sunet had arrived at um, Ibrox in '86, the season before. So this shirt is synonymous with Rangers' massive, you know, period of success. I was just going to say because uh, that's the thing, really, and why it got so many, uh, so much exposure. I think back then was that it seemed like every other week there was another recognisable name from south of the border going off to play mm. in uh, for, play for Rangers. There was Trevor Francis. There was um, Ray Wilkins and uh, yeah, Terry Butcher and, and and so on. It just went on and on and on, and it just seemed like every other week you would see, and, and because of that, um, the programs like Match of the Day or um, on the ball and football focus would sort of think, oh well, perhaps we ought to show a bit of Ranger because there's some recognisable English players, and so that so for us English types, um, we got to see a bit more of that Ranger shirt as, as a result. Um, one other just little detail, I think, something that's come to mind, I seem to recall that the Rangers badge was in a kind of raised felt kind of um, mm. uh, sort of thing, so it wasn't even like a flat transfer, it was like a slightly um, it's difficult to uh, describe it really, but it was almost like pitched like a, to a point the, uh, as the sort of letters were going around, which was also a nice touch as well, and the, and the logo, the McEwen's Lager Thing. I don't know why it just seemed to fit. I, did, I knew nothing about McEwen's Lager. I wasn't drinking it at the time either. Uh, but it just seemed quite nice. It just fitted in with everything else. It's just the whole thing was a lovely kind of ensemble piece, really. Mm, that, was all, that was also back in the day when... Didn't, didn't Celtic and Rangers have an agreement to have the same sponsors on their shirt? Well, they had tenants, didn't they? Was it tenants? At, well, they had C.R. Smith. They had C.R. Uh, Smith, yeah. C.R. Smith, yes, that's yeah. it. But I, I'm sure they had some kind of agreement where they'd both have the same sponsor due to the... to stop any sort of... Um, mm. uh, what was it? Just basically because they were both massive clubs, they didn't want... Yeah. Um, companies didn't want, you know, kind of one half of the city not buying it because of the... Yeah. You know, not buying the boycotts. Yeah. yeah, so they actually had an agreement to to actually have the exact same sponsor. I don't I don't believe they do still do that anymore, do they? No. no I mean, of course, they continued with CR Smith. I think during that period, didn't they? Have that show, they don't. I don't That's think right. they changed for twenty years. Hmm. I don't know actually. Yeah, so, so in the eighties, in in the eighties, um, they both had CR Smith, and then and then Rangers left CR Smith to to go to to McEwen's Lager, I think. So then, and Celtic can continued with that, and they, yeah, I mean they they have had the same sponsors many times over the last twenty or twenty five years. Uh, NTL they had at the same time as well. Oh, yeah. uh, there's various others. I can't remember what the others are, but yeah, I, I don't think it's it's limited to that. I I, th- I I'm not sure if it was an agreement where everyone sat around the same boardroom table and and, <laughs> and but it was it was probably that a company went to both and the other one went well. Yeah, speak to the others, and if they're lovely, then then that seems like a good deal for us as well. Commercially, it's sense, isn't it as well? <coughs> yeah, it's. I I think it was always an agreement from the the companies that this is going to be the the best way of going about it. Ironically, um, when when one of the teams went against it, which was uh, Celtic, had Peoples, which was a a Ford car dealership, mm. they put orange and blue on the sponsor. <laughs> so that that was uh, yeah, that didn't work out too well. That that shirt didn't sell too well either. Um, <laughs> no, I, funny enough, I did that one as a kit of the day very early on in my series, and uh, yeah, quite a few Celtic fans weren't that happy that I'd chosen that one. <laughs> not, the, not a, yeah. not a favorite. The, 
just a couple of other points. It's quite interesting. We, we're on Google Hangouts again today, and we can see each other. And it's quite interesting to see someone wearing a Celtic shirt, waxing lyrical about a Rangers shirt. Jars of it, doesn't it, that one? Yeah. The other point... Sorry, John, what was that? I was, always, I was always a big fan of the kick-out bigotry campaign in Scotland with football. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean you need to like both teams. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like I mean, both teams. Don't you need to get a half-and-half half shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell, tell you someone who did have a half-and-half half shirt, Celtic and Rages, and I, I don't know why I'm going to bring this up. Is he, uh, uh, is he dead now? Oh. <laughs> he is dead now, actually. Should I bring oh, this up? That's a bit awkward. Well, it, it's an awful thing because it was it was actually one of the clips where something terrible was happening. But yeah, Jimmy Savile presented top of the pops wearing a half Rangers and half Celtic shirt. <laughs> oh, um, good. The other point I want to make quickly is what you said at the beginning there, Chris, about uh, soccer scene. Um, soccer mm. scene was the greatest football mm. shop, and football shirt shop and football kit shop and just a wonderful place to go throughout the 90s and the last 15 years as well. And I say was because I went to Carnaby Street uh, a week or so ago and it's gone. And yes. it and recently it was about five years ago it was reduced in size enormously. It used to be enormous and they cut yeah. down the size. Obviously it's incredibly expensive for anyone to, to have premises around there. Um, mm. But they had another one on Oxford Street as well, another mini one. They also had rugby scene on Oxford Street <laughs> as well um, where that sold rugby shirts, surprisingly enough. And something that people don't realise is recently it was taken over by Sports Direct, so about five or six years ago it was yeah. taken over by them. And they obviously have their own way of doing things. But a couple of years ago, I went into soccer scene on Carnaby Street and managed to find the Celtic kilt shorts from about five years ago. So there, there was still time for one last fantastic find. If you I don't know those shorts, check them out. I don't, I don't know, Jay. I think, I think soccer scene, didn't they? They moved down the far end of Carnaby Street, didn't they? Well, they were originally at the top, and they had a little, they had a little extra shop, which I think was not sales stuff, but it was a much smaller shop down a side street. So I, I don't know. I think they're still going. I think they're at the far end, right further down. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think, I think, go, go look, John. Oh, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was under the impression I thought so I'd read somewhere a while back that they'd gone, but I could be mistaken. I, I went, I went about a year ago, and they were where you say they they should be, John. And I went okay. two weeks ago, and they're not there anymore. So just I, I, just it's, it's not going to be going out of business because it's Sports Direct. So it's it's just a business decision to close them, I think. Mm. Well, as a result of you going there, as soon as you left the shop, they had a quick shutdown. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> we can't handle any more of these questions. <laughs> yeah. That's it's sad anyway. It's very sad. Mm. All right. So number 33. This is my first choice in this in this lot of 10. In fact, it's my only choice in this lot of 10 because all of my shirts were so good they're much higher up the list. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is Olympique de Marseille because I'm doing it in that accent so that Jay can't moan at my French accent. Uh, the 2011-12 away shirt by Adidas. And uh, basically, um, I want to f*** this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you want me to bleed it out. Okay. Yeah, I told you you'd know when it was. 
Um, this is this is just one of my. I, I, as soon as I saw this shirt, this is one of those ones where you know it's leaked on on football shirt culture or or one of those other you know type of sites. And as soon as I thought, yeah, I, I thought I have to get this shirt. It's one of those ones where I don't care how much it costs. As soon as I find it for sale somewhere, I am buying it, and I did. And then immediately, about two weeks later, I found a Sports Direct for a ten pound cheaper. And I actually nearly <laughs> buying it again just because I liked it so much, which would have been stupid. Um, but no, oh, this is it's so it's so amazing. <laughs> it's. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, you may realise that I might not be able to actually be coherent about this shirt. Um, basically, the, the shirt is a is a, a gorgeous blue colour uh, with gold trim. Now that to me is just ace. Um, blue, it's apart from being my favourite colour, so that's it's, it's always a winner. I just there's something about blue shirts with gold trim, and I, I think I I made this point in the article that it was the Italy shirt that they wore in '06 when they won the World Cup. Um, had uh, blue and kind of dark blue under the arms, but it had gold trim on it. So the Puma logos and all the numbering was done in gold, and it just looked immense. And this is a continuation of that. And then the but the best part for this is the front part of the shirt is um, it's a, like a whole kind of mishmash of imagery. It's like a mixture of graffitos or graffiti, as it would be properly pluralized, um, and images relating to Marseille culture. Um, and it just looks immense. And it, it was around that period where French club shirts were getting just the most amazing designs. That you know, if you got them over here for for clubs like this, I think uh, people would just you know go. They'd burn the offices of Adidas down because they would just despise it. But the French were more than happy to take these incredibly insane designs. And and it was around that period where literally every sort of it seemed to be Marseille and Lyon in particular that were getting these designs all from Adidas, and this to me was just the best one of the lot that came out at the time. It was just immense. So uh, I think I'm spent now. So someone else can talk. <laughs> I think you can have a wash down with a damp radio times or something. An oily rag. <laughs> Anyone, anyone else got anything to add? <laughs> well, I, I just, I mean, I think I'm with you to an extent, Rich. I mean, I think Welsh, um, Welsh, Welsh shirts, French, <laughs> French shirts, even. They're the ones that make me think, I wish I just collected shirts and actually bought them because there's so many French domestic shirts that I love. Having said that, this one doesn't grab me as much as it does you, but it's, it's. I think there's better shirts, Adidas shirts, from that era that I prefer, sorry, sorry, but there is sorry, something what? definitely going. <laughs> something about the, the French domestic Adidas kits that, that that are really really special, and it doesn't seem to translate over here. But I think yeah, but th- this one doesn't grab me so much. I must admit. So replacing John on the podcast next week. Have I got a chance to, to actually stay on the podcast then? <laughs> because I was just about to destroy this shirt as well, but maybe I should rethink that now. <laughs> no, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't, I don't particularly like it. That thing with the, the crowd shots and in the watermark has been done a couple of times. There's a, I think Borussia Dortmund did it a couple of seasons ago. This shirt is, uh, I don't know, I love Marseille. I love Olympique de Marseille. I love... Uh, Adidas, Who? I love. Ollie Peak, who's he? Oh no! <laughs> uh, and I, I particularly like chain shirts that Marseille have had over the years, but this one just—I just don't feel it. I don't understand. It, I don't understand why people like it. Why you like it so much? Um, 
it's okay. Can I just have my base layer klaxon now, though? Because uh, <laughs> every time. That's more of a fanfare. The uh, they they did actually wear this with uh, mismatching base layers, which which looks okay because it was a very very pale blue base layer that they wore with it. Obviously, because Adidas didn't provide them with base layers of the same color. Uh, that's probably the most interesting thing I can say about this shirt. The the details <sighs> are in gold, but. So the details are in gold. I, I'm sorry, I can't. I want to. I really want to, but it's yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't bring myself to do it. It's okay. It's it's not terrible. It's not as bad as. No, I'm I'm not going to bring up that one again. It's it's, it's not. <laughs> what the, the texture. I can see the horror horror in John Dev, Devlin's face right now. Oh, the Norwich shirt. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah. I don't hate it, but I I don't understand why it's here. I, I'm really <laughs> despising you all right now. <laughs> Go on, Chris. Sa- say, save my faith in 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 humanity here. Actually, Someone I don't think you like it that much. Shirt. Someone, Someone must have liked shirt. it. Yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it. Um, oh, I wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't say I'm wild about it, but I, I tell you what I like about it particularly is that is the shade of blue and the fact that you've got that the the. Um, shadow picture going down the middle in that slightly darker sort of contrasting thing is it gives a bit of detail. So the the, the shade of blue is, is good. I think the gold works well with it. I, we I think we mentioned last week with the red current uh, shirt for Arsenal that I I said that the gold what little gold uh, detailing there was on there worked well with that colour and I think it works well with this shade of blue as well. I think any other shade of blue, I'm not sure. Um, I'm just while you were talking there, um, I was just sort of looking at the the the, the crowd picture that's um, embedded into the the fabric of that shirt, and I was thinking it, I can imagine you know a, a picture of the cop, the Liverpool cop during the 70s, and 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 would that work on a red shirt? I'm not so sure it would. I think it maybe it's just because of English kind of sensibilities about having that sort of thing on a shirt, even an away shirt. Um, it may not have even got past the first sort of. Um, Ballots for whether it would have been, um, you know, used by a team like Liverpool or not. I don't know, but um, but it works well on this on this kit. It's a nice kind of well coordinated kit. Um, um, I always have to sort of challenge myself about my how I feel about gold detailing, and because uh, again, as on the last podcast, I sort of said, does it sort of suggest you know bling and and over self confidence, shall we say? Mm. But I just think it's nice. It's quite nice. Any more gold on that shirt, and it would have tipped the balance a bit. But um, overall, it's a nice. It's a. It's a. It's a lovely colour. The detailing is very interesting down the middle. I think it works well. Um, I'm beginning to sound like a judge on Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, I, I'll shut up now. <laughs> the, can I? Sorry. Can I just say that I I see what Chris is saying there. I I don't agree with it. The uh, what you mentioned there, Rich, was the 2006 Italy home shirt, but that was a much darker blue. I think the gold, even though I don't like that shirt either, I think the gold and the the darker blue worked well together on that shirt. On this one, I think they clash. The I don't think it should be on a on a shirt that with the blue that light. And I do also think that there is too much gold. The it's bet was BetClick the sponsor on that one. It is, yeah. Yeah, I think that's too much. That. The gold but if you the had that in any other colour, it would look awful. And actually, the thing is, you, your your point about it being a darker a darker blue on the Italy shirt is not entirely accurate because the Italy 06 shirt is a very similar blue to this because mm. 
when by the time you've added the the crowd shot and and everything else graphic on the front it changes the overall color of the blue to a darker blue so you have similarly with the Italy one you had the two shades of blue it, you've got a similar thing going mm. I know what you mean though the main body the actual base color of the shirt is a lighter blue and and doesn't yeah. quite work as well with the gold as the darker Italy one but by the time you've added the detailing in it it's darker and it's just Quite. it's just just ah oh, just leave me alone <laughs> I, I think the 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 crowd shot thing if that was more subtle as well I think it's too you, you can see it too clearly I think it should be something that you see closer up but you don't see from a distance but it it looks a bit messy so there's too much going not, on again no it's not and it's not too messy. <laughs> No. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I, I'm just expecting. I'm just expecting to see a news story on TV later on today saying a man was confused and disorientated in a motorway lay-by earlier on today, but wearing what appeared to be a blue football shirt. <laughs> wearing what appeared to be a very tight blue football shirt. <laughs> you tend to buy them in like a medium, don't you? So that that would be a sight. If I had the tech fit version of it, yeah, that would be horrific. <laughs> there would be no fit about it at all. Um, right. I mean, ah, oh, just I've just lost the face. I, how the hell did it get to number 33 then if I, I'm the only advocate? Maybe I just rigged the whole vote. I just, I don't know. <laughs> it's a puzzle, anyway, it's a puzzle that one, isn't it? No, it's not, John. It's yeah. not. It's not a puzzle, all right? The only puzzle oh, no, is, no, why no, is no, it no. number one? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I tell you what, I tell you one who did do that sort of thing, and I'd like, to, I'd just like to point out, seeing as if Jay could be pedantic, so can I. It's not a crowd shot, actually. It is a mixture of crowd shot and other things. So there, <laughs> farmyard scenes and <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Savile's in there wearing his half and half. No. <laughs> no um, yes, but um, it was a uh, um, 1860 Munich of München. Um, uh, they uh, they had a reversible shirt, which was that did have lots of crowd shots on it, and that was far from subtle. That was uh, that was pretty horrific. Needless to say, I love it and own it. So <laughs> reversible. Um, I suppose that's kind of on a practical level. That's quite handy if you want to do to the shirt what you want to do to that shirt. <laughs> what wear it proudly? <laughs> no, the other thing. No, wear it proudly. No, oh, okay. Let's move on, oh, shall right, we? Sorry, sorry, I suddenly got what you meant. <laughs> I've yeah. lost track of my own jokes. Blame me. You said you wanted uh, to. F <laughs> yeah, thanks for the reminder, Jay. Now you see you've moaned about your own little sensitive ears, and now you've just said it yourself. Just so you've got no excuse. Right, I think we ought to move on. So uh, because because clearly there's no point in this whole countdown anymore. You <laughs> <laughs> right now, are we treating the next two as a block? Oh, we are. Oh, we, we certainly are. Yeah. So the last two in this in this block, we better make this quick because I've got to go soon. Um, is numbers thirty-two and thirty-one, which is the USA ninety-four home and away shirts, which someone Jay insisted that had to be together because they're a whole design block element thing. Take it away, Jay. <laughs> I've set myself up here, haven't I? I'm sorry, yep. I was so nasty to you, Rich. Can you actually remember the, what the colours were in these as well? Or are we just going to have to fill that in as well? <laughs> okay, so we remember did argue... Remember the white stripe one? <laughs> Sorry, actually, not that. <laughs> that means nothing to anyone because we haven't mentioned what the shirts are yet. So, um, these, these two, we did argue about this and we did eventually conclude as a group that they should be on the list together. And I think they, they just gave up in the end. <laughs> they had... 
they have separate positions, but they are together, and they are both in the list because they both exist. If only one of these shirts existed, I would argue with you three that it wouldn't be in the list. Neither. Can, of these can two I just shirts point out? Can I just point out that if one of these shirts didn't exist, then obviously it wouldn't be in the list because it doesn't exist. <laughs> no. The, if the I, other, I just, that's the best statement you've ever made. That is among all of your brilliant statements, Jay. The, 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 the reason these are in the list is because they exist. No. <laughs> I'd no. say that that applies to if, all of the shirts in these lists. <laughs> And yes, I am deliberately twisting what you said for comic effect. But carry on. Yes. If one of these shirts didn't exist, then the other of these two shirts would not be in this list. That's I'm sure that's exactly the way I worded it before. But if yeah, not, but you then said I apologize. something before that which was funnier. Uh, but I don't agree with that particular sentiment anyway. But so I know I, what you mean. I think I know what you mean. Carry on, carry on. Can't spit it out, love. <laughs> these, uh, these. <laughs> That's not what you said to me last night. The, these, yeah, I didn't, I didn't call you love. <laughs> these, I can't believe I've just done that. That's so puerile. The, <laughs> you said last night. Oh. Uh, now then, now then, not about that then. Moving on. No. Get back to that. the shirts. Okay, so these two shirts are both in the are in the list because they both exist. Um, they are the two. USA 94, 1994, home, they're the two shirts that USA wore in USA 94, so they are the home shirt and the away shirt. Now, a lot of people don't realise which shirt is the home shirt and which is the away shirt, so we're going to make this clear. The home shirt is the red and white wavy striped shirt, the away shirt is the denim styled, uh, denim coloured, I suppose, indigo blue, um, or some sort of blue, uh, with... (laughs) star patterns sublimated into the fabric. Now, because they both refer to the American flag, they need, they exist, even though they're separate shirts and they have merit on their own, they are not great shirts on their own. They are great because both shirts exist and they complement each other as a style. Now, the reason why these shirts were released is not simply to say, okay, you're America, so you should have um, you should have a kit that represents your flag, it represents your identity. It was, I believe, it was also incorporating the fact that America were hosting the World Cup and they wanted to, something um, very patriotic that represented the country as well as the national football team rather than just a federation like that. So with Adidas and FIFA being tied in, obviously, the World Cup going, the FIFA World Cup going to America, everything was integrated to say, okay, America, the host, will be wearing a very patriotic kit that will also remind the world that we are taking the World Cup to, into a, a new area, um, a new a new continent being, um, well, it been to Mexico before, so not a new continent, but a new a new area of the football world. And the two shirts are, I love them both. I love the home shirt a lot more than I love the the away shirt. Uh, the wavy stripes I thought was a fantastic pattern, um, a w- fantastic way of depicting stripes as well. Uh, but yeah, as a as a cultural moment, I think they're they're fantastic. They are fantastic, but it was a fantastic um, piece of marketing as well. Both um, very um, in- interesting and uh, clever designs, I thought. And a friend of mine, um, uh, Martin. Uh, uh, Back in the well, it would have been in 1994, I suppose. He had the what I thought at the time was the home shirt. Is in fact the away one, going by your description there, the blue one, and it just it just looked wonderful. And I know for a fact he loved that shirt as well. And it was just 
delightful. And as you quite rightly say, uh, Jade, the, instead of having straight vertical uh, red and white stripes, having them wavy just accentuated that sort of flag motif almost. And it was that, that I thought was very clever. Both both shirts complemented each other well. Uh, I'm not sure about the red shorts with the blue shirt, but we're not really talking about kits in their entirety. We're only focusing on the shirts, but that's just a little side thing from me. But um, but I particularly like the blue one with the stars. I just thought that was a superb design, actually. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, uh, Jay, Jay and I have kind of um, clashed. We've been at Loggerhead several times during this countdown, but in the most friendliest of ways. <laughs> but I hope so. But I have to say I'm a 100%. 150% behind him on this. I think they're as a set. They they work as a set so so well, and they're I think they're absolutely brilliant. Some of the best kits ever. Those those two. I think I remember at the time they were promoted and marketed very strongly in the UK, and it, and that's where I think the confusion came about which was the home and which was the away because they were they were promoted equally. You know there wasn't there's, there's traditionally been an influence on on buying the home replica shirts of, of sides, especially back then, but this wasn't the case. It, you know you it was either or, and um, the way that they deconstructed the flag and kind of split it over two shirts is is just genius. I mean it, it really is. I think you know the USA are very lucky. They've got such an iconic flag, as well, with such you know such strong graphical elements on there. And Adidas really pulled it out of the bag on this one. I think they're just just brilliant as a set. They're brilliant. See, I also think that the reason everyone assumed the blue one was the home shirt was because they wore that for the first three matches of mm. USA '94. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so that's why. So the first time they actually wore it was the the match against Brazil. Yeah. Wore, sorry, when they wore the home shirt was against Brazil um, in the second round. So for the entirety of their their three first matches, they'd worn the away kit. So obviously everyone just assumed that must have been the home kit because there was, and also because it was, it kind of didn't really match any of their previous ones, which obviously were tended to be well. It was kind of closer to what they'd like, like Chris said earlier when they used to wear. Um, blue sometimes mm. but I mean most of their earlier shirts were sort of white and blue so when it suddenly came out it's like well this is kind of blue with white so that must be the home shirt mm. but no and it, point, that, yeah. I mean, it, took, it took it was only um, literally a couple of years ago that I found out that was the other way around mm. but again that was based on the fact that you know they hadn't they did they only wore it once so and and actually even thinking about it they had I suppose the the, the, the red and white stripes you know you wouldn't need to change that against Brazil. So that's mm. obviously why they want the home one. But I don't know, it's a bit of an odd one because, I mean, if you look at the teams they played in that first round, um, they had Romania, Switzerland, and Colombia. Now, Romania played in yellow as their home kit. Yes. Yep. So could have played in blue against them. Switzerland, red. I uh, suppose you couldn't really against those uh, unless you were classed as the home team. Uh, which they were, so it's odd that Switzerland didn't change. I suppose Switzerland couldn't change because they had white, didn't they, as they were away, so yeah, it was red and white. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, that's not very interesting. Um, the, funny thing is, the funny thing is with these two shirts is that I think I was one of the ones that argued very strongly against them having to be included as a block because um, uh, I just thought they both worked fine on their own. However, I will entirely admit I then totally went back on that and was convinced entirely by Jay's argument that they needed to be considered as a design block in their own right. And the funny thing is, I'd never considered that until Jay had brought it up. So I, I, I do find it fascinating that clearly someone had obviously designed them 
to go together as a complementing shirt. But I obviously it was obvious they were both parts of the American flag. But it's just I hadn't actually considered that someone had consciously designed them as almost like as a unit. Hmm. So well done, Major. You actually you did convince me. Yeah, I think a lot a lot of great kids work work in that way when you see them as a set. I mean, what's pretty, I'm beginning to wonder now. You know, I've just found this catalog pulling out. Sportswear catalogs from everywhere. This is Born Sports, who were a, a sports retailer um, some years ago. Their catalog at the time, and that's the front cover, features very heavily, as you can see. Mm. Obviously, people listening won't be able to, but the um, the away kit is the one that they feature the most. Yep. So I'm, yeah. I'm just beginning to wonder: were they designed as a as a as a, a mix and match? Was there no definitive home kit? I'm just throwing it mm. out there. The, um, um, I, I suppose I, I suppose theoretically they should have actually had to have designated one the home and one the away yeah. for FIFA's sake. So I suppose, but it might well have been that it wasn't specifically designed with either one in mind until they had to say which one. Yeah, I just find it, it odd that they went for that one. For replica versions as well, maybe in terms of promoting replica sales, maybe it was deliberately ambiguous. But of course they had to you know nominate a first shirt for FIFA. But I, I'm just just really. Wondering about that now. <laughs> the, the sorry, Chris, have you said something on this? No, no, no. So I was just well, yeah, I've, I just mentioned earlier on about the away kit, but um, it's just fascinating, kind of hearing this whole thing because I didn't realise they were kind of, as you say, as, as has been said before, it, it's that they are like a yin and yang that go together. Yeah. Uh, there's absolutely no two ways about it, and um, and. I just, I think they're great, but the, I think the blue kit was the stronger design, and, and and that for me is probably why it ended up on the front of catalogs and and everywhere else because it just it was the more eye-catching design, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the I, I I agree with what you're saying there. The suggestion is that they had two home kits, or or they were completely interchangeable. And something <laughs> that did happen is no one actually. I, I this morning I tried to find out. And I, if you read the article, I will have found out. So if you if you check on the article on the on Foot, Football Attic website, you'll you'll see what the actual definitive conclusion is. But in terms of the shorts and socks, they s- swap them so much, it's difficult to know which of the home which shorts were meant to go with the home shirt and which were the away. Um, I'm pretty sure there's red shorts with the away sh- with the blue shirt and blue shorts with the the home shirt, with the red and white shirt. I think, but. I'll check that and I'll confirm it. But because they swap them around depending on what was required from the match, that again it's ambiguity on that. Did As they wear those shirts? Thing, sorry, I was going to say, did they wear those shirts after USL '94? Were they literally just for that one tournament? Again, um, it's it's something that's worth finding out. I'm not sure. I know Nike took over very very soon after that. Yeah, that's that true. World mm. Cup. So it's it may be that the contract was fulfilled there. The red shorts as well. I mean, and and funny enough, the home ones. The red shorts weren't they slightly more maroony colour as well? Yeah. A little dark pink as well in there, I think. Yeah, which makes me think that they're much more likely to go to go with the um, the starred shirt rather than the, yeah, yeah. the striped one. But as a marketing angle, it's fantastic because you're not saying one is the home shirt and one is the away. You're saying these are our shirts, and to say they're both constituent parts of the of the national flag, that's saying. Really, kids, you're going to need both, which is, <laughs> it's it's a, a fantastic idea, and it's it's well, it's something that I probably would have. Well, I didn't buy them, but I probably would have. It would have hurt my OCD if I'd had one of the shirts. Put it that way. So it's, <laughs> ma- oh, maybe it's a, if it makes you feel any better, Joe. I've got one of the shirts. 
Oh no! <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, have no. the other one, and I desperately want it, but they're so expensive. Can yeah, I just make one more Fair point? Oh, go on then. Sorry, regarding the the two shirts thing, the not saying one is an away, one is a home and one is away. I think Cardiff City, when they switched to red, did that for the first season. They had a kit that they called. Uh, blue kit and a kit that they called red kit. So even though that they chose to wear the red kit at home for that season for the first time, they were actually not designating it as a home kit in in okay. terms of marketing. Right. And can I just make one point really quickly as well, just with that um, USA one, the fact that it was the denim. It was the first time we saw a denim uh, style, of course, which is a, an iconic US fashion, uh, USA fashion kind of, you know, uh, product, isn't it? So mm. I think that's something that's got to be acknowledged with that kit as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very good. That's a key point, I think. Yeah. Um, right. Just uh, just going to say, obviously, thank you both, John and Jay, and obviously Chris, uh, for joining us on this lovely morning um, post thunderstorms. Um, and we will be back very shortly with the next ten. So until then, it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Cheerio. Who did you mean by him? That could have been. <laughs> yeah, it's an old. It's, a, she's, it's a. It's an old two Ronnie's thing that used to. Goodbye from me. Yeah. That's goodbye from me. Secondly, we've done that on pretty much all of our podcasts for the last ten podcasts. So, and, yes, and it's no, goodbye from let's him. Let's do that. Let's let's try that again, shall we? And it's goodbye from him. <laughs> you mean me? Oh, <laughs> See ya. <laughs> bye bye. I love lamp.